Yeah, hi. Uh, so glad that we can all be together. My name is Mike Schroeder. If you don't know who I am, uh, I've uh, been part of this church for a little while now. I'm one of the staff pastors. Uh, we are, are missing our lead pastors, Matt and Tanya, and uh, they are having a good time, I hope, I expect. Uh, they're in Kelowna this weekend, and uh, they are going to be back midweek here coming up. So it's going to be a good it's going to be a good, uh, good rest of the day here this morning. I, I do have a bit of a bit of a, well, I was going to say a downer, but I'm not going to say downer. But it, we're not having coffee after the church after church today. Uh, we're on the summer schedule, uh, so it's going to be every other week. But also, not only that, two weeks from today we have a bonus. We're going to have a barbecue. Uh, after the service and so it's going to be good times so uh, bring your hot dog appetite and it's going to be a good a good time together having some games outside we hope that the weather will uh, cooperate we expect it will uh, i'm privileged to begin a new 10-week series on the book of james called faith in motion and i've been tasked with giving you an introduction to the book of james a lot of people don't like the book of James. In fact, Martin Luther, he, uh, he's famous or infamous for calling this book an epistle of straw. An epistle, which is a letter. Uh, it's, it's a book in the Bible. The epistles are the last, I don't know how many, about a couple of dozen or so books of the Bible are the epistles. And uh, it, he called it an, an epistle of straw. Straw meaning there's nothing to it. He didn't, he didn't like it. And the reason that he didn't like it is because a lot of people have misunderstood that the book of James uh, does stress the idea of working for God, doing good things for God, to the point where a lot of people think that it works against the idea that we are saved by grace through faith. In fact, there's places in, in the book that are maybe just a little bit confusing that way. And so we're going to try to walk through some of those passages. Probably not today, but we're going to be getting diving in. So there's going to be uh, nine uh, more sermons after today. We're gonna, there's only five chapters, so you know we're going to be kind of taking our time through it. But it's the kind of a book that you can read kind of all at once. The other day, I, um, in fact, I was... I was, was I think I was uh, up early and I, I read the whole book just in, like in one setting. It doesn't take that long. And it gives you an overview. It gives you a, a, a way to see the book. And I, I want to encourage you to make yourself uh, uh, familiar with the book of James over the next few, uh, next few weeks here in the summer. Uh, that reminds me, we're also going through the book of John on the Wednesday night connect night, starting this week, every two weeks, just four times in the summer, we're going to be getting together at, at Life Center. We'd love everybody to come. Uh, we, we'll make room if we don't have room for you. And uh, it's going to be a good time of fellowship starting at 7.30 on Wednesday nights. But back to James here. Uh, James was uh, one of the brothers of, actually half-brothers of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of people that in the world that don't think Jesus had, uh, and may, like Joseph and Mary didn't have any other kids, uh, but we believe the truth is, is that they did. And uh, James was one of those sons of Mary and Joseph. 
And uh, fun fact, the, the, one of the smallest books in the Bible is the second last one called the book of Jude. And that is also written by one of the brothers of Jesus. Um, but we'll talk about that some other time. So James is uh, an important person. And uh, the theme of this uh, series, the theme of the book, the key scripture of this, uh, of this series is found in James chapter 2, verse 26. And it says this, For as the body without the spirit is dead, and that word spirit can uh, mean actually breath as well, so as, as your body without breath is dead, uh, so faith without works is dead. And so the sort of the bottom line of the book of James is this, we are saved with a living faith, not a dead faith, okay? So it, when you're reading the book of James, you'll see a lot of emphasis on works and a lot of instructions. It's a very practical book. Uh, there isn't a lot of uh, what we call soteriology, which is the study of salvation. We don't, we don't have a lot of that in this book. It's very practical, uh, kind of like rules to live by. Uh, it's really a, an amazing book and sometimes challenging book. And the question for those of us who are going through this series together, the question is, what is the evidence of faith in your life? What is the evidence of faith in my life? And it's a question that we really should keep in mind all the time. And so we're going to be asking ourselves these questions uh, all, through, all through the summer months here. What is the evidence? And so if you, if you uh, are, are still with me, if you still want to go through this, we're going to pray. And I've got a lot of information to tell you, just some background information about the book. And then uh, we're, we'll, I've got... I've got three points to make, and then we'll be out of here by about three o'clock. Now, uh, I was reading this morning, by the way, I was reading this morning, and there's a fellow uh, named Eutychus who had a bit of a challenge listening to a preacher one day. Ever, anybody heard of Eutychus? Some of you have, some of you won't admit it. But Eutychus was a fellow, it's in the book of Acts, he was a fellow listening to Paul preach and Paul was preaching, and they were on a third floor, and he was sitting in, on a windowsill. I don't know if it was crowded or just hot in there, but he was sitting on a windowsill, and around midnight, like Paul was preaching for hours, okay? And I'm not gonna do that, I promise. But Paul was preaching for hours, and Eutychus fell asleep while Paul was preaching. Think of it. I don't feel so bad, because I've had people fall asleep on me when I was preaching. But even it, it even happened to Paul. And uh, so Eutychus fell asleep. He actually fell out the window and landed three stories down and died. What a, what a, what a deal. And so everybody, not, I don't know how many ran downstairs, but Paul ran down the stairs or however they got downstairs. And he actually prayed and the man, Eutychus, I, he, I, let's call him a teenager, but anyway, he was raised from the dead. And I forgot about this. I was reading this this morning. I forgot about this. Then Paul went back to preach, and he preached until dawn. <laughs> so they just, they just took a break to raise the dead. <laughs> so listen, I don't know if I'm up for that, so don't die on me this morning. <laughs> 
Lord, I pray that you will give us your grace to be able to understand your word and hear what the Spirit of God would say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to flash through about six verses here just to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what James says about faith and works. In James 1.25, I think I've got these scriptures on, on the screen. Uh, if you look carefully to the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you. So if you do what the Bible says, God will bless you. So there's action. There's, there's faith in motion there. James 2 and verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? So the action there is to treat people uh, with equity and not to favor some people over others. James 2.14, what good is it if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? We need to have a faith that is shown by our lifestyle, that you can actually tell if someone is a believer or not. Is it getting quiet in here? <laughs> um, verse uh, 17 of chapter 2. So you see, if faith by itself isn't enough, unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. So we can agree intellectually with the ideas of faith and the ideas about Jesus and God and the Bible. We can agree with all those things and say, yeah, amen, I believe that. But there needs to be corresponding action in our beliefs. If we believe something, it will be seen. It will be evidenced. Well, I want to hear a shout of an amen right there. Come on. Verse 18, it says, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. Everybody has their own gift. Well, no. How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. And we'll be talking more about this. Verse uh, 20 of chapter 2. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Uh, don't you remember our, our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? So you see his faith and actions worked together. And his actions made his faith complete. Verse, four, uh, verse 24, you're shown to be right with God by what we do. That's interesting. I was looking this up and it's, it's that we're justified by what we do. And ju the word justify has a, a slant to it when, when it's a slant which says it shows righteousness. Righteousness is shown by what we do. Um, it, it doesn't make us a Christian to do good things. Faith without works is dead, but of course works do not produce salvation, only faith does. The, uh, Rahab, uh, in the story in the Old Testament, she was shown to be right with God by her actions. Uh, verse 26, just as the body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. That's our, our theme scripture. And one more, uh, James 3.13, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. So this book is filled with things that we need to be doing. And, and it can be confusing, but we need to remember that we are saved by a living faith in Jesus Christ, and that kind of living faith 
is a faith that works. So John Calvin, who was a famous reform, uh, reformer, um, he said this, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, J. Vernon McGee. He's on KARI radio, and uh, he's got this voice that I, I wish I could mimic it, but I can't. He's, he sounds like he's from Kentucky. He might be, I don't know. He's got a funny voice, but he's been a, he faithfully went through the whole Bible. This, or the radio program was called Through the Bible. I don't agree with everything he says, but this one I do believe. J. Vernon McGee says this, faith is the root of salvation, works are the fruit of salvation. So you've got the root and the fruit. Um, faith is the cause of salvation, and works are the result of salvation. Um, so there is that balance, and they all kind of work together. Uh, one of the things that Pastor Matt and I talked about is we wanted to just talk about some of the background again to the book of James. And uh, one of the source material, part of the source material that we have is from a fellow named Chuck Smith. Now, some of you have seen the movie uh, Jesus Revolution. Anybody seen that movie? You'll, you'll notice that there's a picture of Chuck Smith up here, and it's not the guy in the movie. He was an actor, okay? <laughs> but but the, he was a real person. Chuck Smith was a real pastor, and he started uh, the, um, what's the name of that group? Calvary Chapel, thank you. Uh, he started the Calvary Chapel movement. And uh, so you can see, I just wanted to show you what Chuck Smith actually looked like. You can see him there baptizing people in the ocean. Uh, that really happened back in the day. And uh, I was a witness to some of those kinds of things in my town in Minnesota where I was uh, in high school at the same time. And so j the first verse of the book of James says this, James, a bond slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So this book was written by a person named James, and it was written to Jewish believers that had scattered all through the region. Now, uh, there's, a t there's a place in, in the book of Acts where that actually happened, and in history it happened more than once, uh, where the, the Christians from Jerusalem were scattered about, and James was the, basically, he was the bishop of the Jerusalem church, and he was, he was the leader at that time, and he presided over uh, the council in the book of Acts called to settle the dispute about Jewish, uh, sorry, Gentile con uh, converts, and uh, he was the half-brother of Jesus, like I said before, um, and he introduces himself, even though he was a, he was the, uh, the bishop of the sort of the headquarters church in Jerusalem, and also he was the half-brother of Jesus, but he introduced himself as a bond slave of God and of Jesus Christ. He considered himself not to be a person who was sort of in the inner circle and had all the privilege of being Jesus' half-brother and also of, of being sort of the head of the Jerusalem church, but he introduced himself in this letter as being the, uh, the bond slave of Jesus Christ. A very wonderful attitude for him to have. Now, now, James was, like I said, he was the, 
the leader of the Jerusalem church, and there's a couple of um, a couple of occasions in the book of Acts that show how much he had uh, sort of he was he was the one that needed to know things. In fact, after Jesus rose from the dead in Corinthians chapter 15, it talks about this. Jesus rose from the dead, and he showed himself first to the women, which is a, a whole other story, uh, but it was first to the women, and then to the apostles, and then it says to uh, more than 500 people, and then it goes on to say that Jesus appeared to James. That would be his half-brother. Jesus appeared to him kind of like one-on-one, and they talked. I don't know what they said, but they talked. You know, James could have been complaining about what it's like to be the half-brother of Jesus, you know. Could you imagine, you know, they had that wedding in Cana of Galilee, you know, and Jesus turned the water into wine, and the next time they were at a wedding, and they ran out of wine, and Jesus wasn't there, and everybody starts looking at James, like, you know, why can't you be more like your big brother? But James, of course, wasn't Jesus, but, you know, he grew up with Jesus. He saw him do all lot of these things. And um, so uh, Peter was released miraculously out of prison. What did he do? He said, I want you all to tell James that I'm out of prison. And uh, even the Apostle Paul, when they were uh, reporting to the powers that be, it says in, uh, in uh, Acts chapter 21 that Paul came to Jerusalem for the last time. He reported his work to James and all the elders that were present with him. He had two nicknames, James did. One was Old Camel Knees. He was Old Camel Knees, and the reason is, and, uh, you know, we've kind of gotten away from kneeling down in prayer, you know, and uh, I'm not saying it's good or bad, it just is. Uh, But back in those days, they would kneel in prayer, and, of course, they didn't have a lot of carpets and, you know, wood flooring and all that. They were you know, just kneeling in the gravel and mud and dirt and whatever they had on the floor, the stones. Uh, Could have been a little rough, but he had calluses on his knees from praying that were so big, they thought his knees looked like camel knees. That was his nickname. And he was also called James the Just. And so obviously his character was high because people called him, that was his nickname. I... I don't know if you'd, I'd want people to call me James the Just or not, or Mike, Mike the uh, Marvelous or whatever. But, uh, you know, James had this, he was, he, mind you, I don't even know if it rhymed or it was alliteration because it was, uh, they didn't speak English, so I don't know if, if it works out in his home language either. It was one of the earliest books written in the New Testament, probably the, the first one. Uh, written around 58 or 60 A.D., Jesus lived till about 30-ish A.D., <laughs> the year of our Lord. doesn't mean after death. It means the year of our Lord, and that was the time. So it was only about 30 years later, a very, very old, kind of old book, and um, written to encourage people. And I, I have to say, I, you know, I, I am getting a little older there now, uh, and I've read the Bible a lot and studied the Bible and been to Bible college. And the last couple of weeks, I've been looking at, you know, the, trying, to, trying to be accurate in what I'm saying. And I found out, to my surprise, and maybe I should have known, but you can tell me I should have known, maybe everybody here knows this, that his name wasn't actually James. 
Anybody, anybody else know this besides me? And this is how, this is how you're supposed to uh, say it. Yakabos. Yakabos. Okay, that's all. Some of you are starting to fall asleep. So let's, uh, let's say this out loud. Okay, this is your Greek uh, in, you know, initiation. Yakabos. And that is actually the name Jacob. Yakabos. That's what we would call Jacob. So, and I, I didn't find out why they call him <laughs> James. But anyways, that, if you look in the Greek, uh, James chapter 1, verse 1, his name is there in the Greek, and it's Iacobos. But I'm still going to call him James, okay? Because it's too distracting to sort that out. And it's frankly not really life-changing, but I just thought I would tell you something that, hey, now you, now you know as well as I do what, what his name is supposed to be. And uh, apparently he was uh, stoned to death, unfortunately, just prior, uh, in a, a, like a few years prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So James lived uh, just until that time, just in the late 60s AD. Um, that's when, when James passed away. He, um, there's a number of different accounts, and, and he, was, he, he was pushed off of a, a precipice and stoned, and then other things happened as well. But he, he was martyred for his faith because he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't back down. That's, that's what happened. So this dear brother of ours, James, the uh, bishop of the Church of Jerusalem, the half-brother of Christ, the one who was Mr. Camel Knees and uh, James the Just, he was a good man. He wrote this book, and it's a book filled with direction on how to live. And we'll be going into all the specifics about that. But there's three things about the idea of working as Christians, having a lifestyle of serving God. And that's what we are doing. We are serving God whenever we do things. The Bible talks about doing all things in the name of Jesus. And that's a filter that we can have to make sure the things we are doing are in the name of Jesus, which we'll be talking about in a moment. But also, we are doing things because we serve Christ. We don't serve people. We don't serve our fears. We don't serve our own agendas. We serve the Lord Jesus. That's who we're supposed to be serving. Amen? Amen. Okay. So the first point that I have is uh, the contrast between church attendance and church engagement. And being engaged, first of all, attendance on a Sunday is very important, but it's really only part of what it means to be part of a church. I'm so glad you're here, because if you weren't here, chances are a lot of other people wouldn't be here, and maybe nobody would be here, and we would have done all this work to set everything up, and no one was here. So that, it's very nice that you're here. We're glad you're here. It's very healthy because we could be together to worship the Lord. And that's the number one reason uh, that we come. Well, it's really a one and one A. We come together to worship the Lord together in spirit and in truth. Yes, we come here to worship. And we come here to be taught from the Word of God and led, actually. It's part of uh, leadership in a church that we can all be kind of looking together and seeing what God is saying from the word for us 
almost like a, a prophetic kind of a thing where it's the, it's the now word. I mean, we can all read the Bible at home and you can all get really great preaching uh, online these days especially. Uh, but what we don't have is that, that, that family time where we gather together. It's like being at home for Sunday dinner, but it's on Sunday morning and it's not dinner, it's the word. Okay? So we're all, it's good to attend church. But we're meant, the church is meant to function a lot differently than just having people come and listen and then go home. You know, it, it's good to attend church. And, which, and we often, have you ever asked somebody or yourself, which church do you go to? You've heard that, right? Anybody? Oh, well, let me tell you all about, no, just kidding. Okay, so it, it's true that we want to go to church. I go to church, you know, at least 50 weeks a year, usually 52, you know. I, I just, I go to church. That's what I do. I go to church. But I'm part of a church as well. It's not just going to church, but it's being part of a church. And the Bible says in Ephesians that you are God's workmanship. Oh, if you can go to the next slide, please. Uh, there we go. No, back, sorry, back. There we go. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has ordained that we should walk in. You and I, we are all different, and we have different gifts, different callings, different influence, different people we know, people, things that we'd like to do, people, different things that we uh, are good at, and maybe we don't even like to do, but we're good at them. I could start naming names, but... All I know is that there's a lot of talent in the room here. And God has a special calling for each one of us. You may not be called to speak from the front of a, to, to a group like this, but you were all called to share the truth of Jesus Christ with somebody and to help other people grow by sharing the word of God with them, to do good things for them. Maybe you, uh, maybe you aren't, aren't good at praying for the sick in a hospital, but you're really good at, you know, cooking meals for people that have just come out of the hospital. Don't ask me to cook your meal. I mean, I can do it, but A, it would take way, way longer than it should, and it wouldn't be as near as good as you could do, probably. And so my wife, my wife will agree to that. Why is it that you're always agreeing with my self-depreciating humor, honey? <laughs> Anyways, but we all have been created. I was made for this. You were made for something. And that, whatever that is, even if you're not in the mood or don't feel like it, you know, God is the one that we serve. And it may be that he's asking you to do it even then, if it's, even if it's not in your comfort zone. Because we serve the Lord. We don't serve ourselves. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And it's a good one. Now, there's, there's probably a dozen and a half scriptures that I have right here that I'm not going to go through. Uh, I'm going to just highlight a few of them. And they're all called the one another scriptures. They're in your Bible. And, you know, it starts off, and this is the, that slide. There it is. Love one another. Uh, this is apparently there's 16 of those in the New Testament. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony. Accept one another, admonish one another, greet one another, serve one another, 
bear each other's burdens, be kind and compassionate to one another, uh, comfort one another, exhort one another, stir up, stir up one another. You know, if there's someone that, that needs to be stirred up, don't leave it for someone else. Maybe uh, it's come to your attention that they should be stirred up, and that's up to you. It can be a little scary. We don't like confronting. But that's part of what it means to be engaged in a church. It's not only attending a meeting, but it's also being engaged with people and, and uh, reaching out, caring one for another. That's part of our, our vision as a church. It is that we care for and bring people to Jesus. We care for them. That's part of what it is. So that's the first thing. It's being engaged with the church. That is people. It's not a meeting. Church is not a place. And church is not a meeting. Church is people. Amen? You with me? Good. Then I'll go on to the next point real quick. The second one is uh, it's, it's work by faith. And now what I, what I mean by this is if we, the things that we do need to be led of God and so that we can use it with faith. Like I can't, I can't ask God to bless me as I rob this bank. Right? God, will you bless the work of my hands because I've got to feed my family and I want to give to the poor, so let me rob from this bank. Amen. So by faith, I'm going to... No, that does, doesn't work. That's like, uh, you know, we, we don't want to misuse the name of Jesus, but, you know, the word, when we talk about swearing, uh, swearing and taking God's name in vain partly means don't do something in the name of Jesus when it's not his will and his purpose and his call to do it. We do things by faith. And so the, the faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, there's a whole long list of things there. By faith, Abel brought a better, better offering than Cain did. By faith, Noah built an ark. You know, there, anybody could have built an ark, or any carpenter could have, but it was Noah who was called to do it. And he did it by faith. Abraham obeyed and went by faith. But by faith, Sarah uh, and was enabled to bear children. By faith, uh, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac. By faith, Joseph gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him in, in the River Nile. By faith, Moses left Egypt. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea, and so on and so forth. And it goes on to make a whole quick list of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, prophets. And they did these things by faith. And so we do things in the name of Jesus and we work toward Jesus. And it's nice to be thanked and appreciated and we do our best to do that and we appreciate one another. And I, someone came up to me and encouraged me this morning, uh, just a very heartfelt encouragement and I appreciate that uh, very much. It's, it's, it's such a blessing. But what we got to remember is that we're doing this for God. We're doing this for the well done. We're living for the well done. Coming up, Jesus, the one that we serve, is going to be giving out all the rewards and all the accolades, and everybody will get their, uh, their blessings and their judgments. Uh, reminds me of, of last week. We had such an amazing message last week from Pastor John. Remember that? How many were here last week? And you, you heard him say this, God did not design you to look to the established systems of your past to lead you to a preferred future. You know, we, 
all the stuff that we sometimes lean on, our own strength, and we get our own ideas and our own strength and our own wits, and we start leaning on that, but God wants us to be leaning on him. So the work that we do, when we do good works, we do good works in the name of Jesus by faith. Amen. Amen. And he goes on, uh, he went on to say this last line. Is that up here? Yes. My revolution of faith and my new established leadership of faith is built on my daily decision to surrender and submit to Jesus. So if I want to go home and, and put my feet up and, and have a nice tea in the sunshine, but there's something that needs to be done that the Lord wants me to do, I have to submit to Jesus and not just to what I want to do. I have to do what God wants me to do. And so being able to do that is such a blessing. Amen. Amen. Now, this last one is a little strange. I don't remember ever saying this before, uh, but the point is, who told you you were naked? And get all those pictures out of your mind now. Okay, and talk, we're talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. And they had sinned, and they were ashamed, and they had yet to, they had yet to uh, ever be wearing clothes before this time. And uh, they were, uh, when, they, when they sinned and ate the forbidden fruit, uh, the Bible says their eyes were open. They, just, they realized that they, were, that they were naked. And what did they do? They heard God, they heard God's voice when they were in, in the cool of the evening, I guess every evening after they were supposed to be finished their work, God would come and visit them in the Garden of Eden. And so after they had sinned, when they heard God's voice, I don't know if he was whistling or singing or what he was doing, but they went and they hid in the bushes. And, they, and God says, where, where are you? And it's like, well, you can't hide from God. He knew where they are. And uh, he, they said, well, you know, we, we, we heard you coming and we, we were naked and so we were, you know, we were ashamed and we hid. And God says, well, who told you that? Did you, did you eat the fruit? And of course, we know they did. And uh, one, that, one thing that happened, very tender for the Lord to do this, verse 21, they had been using leaves and trying to make clothing out of leaves. Uh, I'm sure that didn't work too well. Uh, but God made uh, clothing for them of, of animal skin and uh, clothed them, covered them up, and, and helped them in their, in their, in their journey. And there's a, there's a few points about this. First of all, uh, Adam was right. He was naked and he was ashamed. Uh, but instead of running away from God when he was ashamed and when he was feeling guilty, he should have run to God because that's where salvation is. That's where the provision is. And uh, he had to face the consequences. Yes, he did. But God provided a way forward. He, he made those clothes for them out of animal skins. And that was one of the first sacrifices that was made in, the, in all of history. And it points to Jesus, who shed his blood for us. And uh, we're going to be going into communion here in about, probably in about five minutes. But God provided 
uh, a way forward because they still had a work to do. God said, be fruitful and multiply and, and fill the earth and take dominion and manage it, do a good job. Uh, that's, that was what, you know, that's what God uh, told them to do. And they still had to do it even though they had sinned. They still had to obey that, um, that it's called the uh, no, uh, Adamic covenant, the dominion covenant. And so what happens is this, and why I'm bringing this whole thing up, I want to make this, uh, bring this home, bring this clear, is that a lot of times because we feel insecure, we feel inadequate, we look at someone else, oh, they could do such a better job than me. We feel like we can excuse ourselves from doing the good that God's called us to do. But if God has called you, like he created you, we talked about this in the point number one, that God has a plan and a purpose for you, and, and he's, uh, he's created you to be engaged in his work. That's number one. Number two is, is that, uh, you know, we should do the things we do by faith uh, in the name of Jesus. And number three, it is that, uh, that we need to not allow our insecurities and our excuses to stop us from doing what God wants us to do. Because faith without works is dead. Amen. Isn't that an exciting sermon? Uh, don't worry, it'll get more challenging as the summer progresses. Okay? But uh, this is all in the Bible. This is good. This is good for life, good for us to learn. And uh, I'm going to ask us to pray, and then right after we pray, we're going to have a time of communion. Okay? So let's just pray together right now. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good book. Uh, thank you for the book of James. And Lord, this man who was faithful to you, as even who grew up in the same household as you, uh, but Lord, he, he understood his place. He called you his uh, bondservant. And Lord, we are your bondservant. And we have uh, a lot uh, that we've been responsible for, a lot on the go. And uh, Lord, I pray that you will help us to be women and men who know how to serve the Lord in this generation. And everybody said, Amen.